You're listening to the Gen Zen Broadcasting System. Hi, Spots and Sheep Pops! And we are talking AEW Wrestling tonight. Tonight, AEW Dynamite in Rochester. But uh, we're going to talk about Baron Corbin right now. Is that what you're going to ask me, Taylor? But can you believe they had the audacity to off of Baron Corbin's 36th um, character change to go and give him his own goddamn talk show and they call it Happy Talk? I fast forward. He has his own talk show. He's his own talk show segment. Happy Talk. I fast forwarded, man. Not- no, no, no. I, I don't. I, I don't. I, I don't give a shit that you fast forward. The whole fact that they had the audacity to go give this guy his own talk. That's what I'm asking you, Mister Valley. Here's the reality, folks. You want? You want it? You want it? Baron Corbin. And I don't know the guy. He might be the nicest human being on the face of the planet. God bless him. But they have been jamming him down our throats for six fucking years. And he has rarely done anything that has entertained me. Period. I have fast forwarded time and time again. They have hooked them into this guy. They think they got. They finally, you know, Vince. Hey, pal, I think we got something here. <laughs> He's happy. You got it. He's happy. <laughs> I think we got something here. Finally. And then Vince can say, I told you. And all the while, we know he's not great because he didn't get into the professional wrestling for the right reason. And he's not that inner goddamn tan. He's not that talented as a pro wrestler. Baron Corbin. Right. And they continue to push him and they continue to give him opportunity to bore the fuck out of us. And I stop. And so. It doesn't surprise me. It doesn't anything this company does at this point doesn't surprise me. You can say this was a good segment. That was a good segment. But overall, if it's a good segment, it's like, oh, cool. It was good. We're not, oh, dude, that was really good. It's like that. It's like, okay, that wasn't terrible. The scale of W. Baron Corbin is the microcosm of the curve that WWE is on. He is considered a top-tier talent by people that run that company. And if he's a top-tier talent, that's the curve WWE is on. That's why we're not that disappointed or pissed off when it sucks anymore. And when it's halfway good, we're like, holy wow. shit. Can you believe it? I think, I think they're changing. Vince got his, got his mojo back. And then it's average. Fuck Baron Corbin and fuck his, and let's be accurate. And never lasts. His sixth gimmick change in six years. Right. Let's be clear and let's be fair. And it's a travesty, and it's a disgusting joke, and it's a microcosm of why WWE is not going to be, possibly not be the major player in professional wrestling in 10 years. It's going to be less than that. That's way too much of a birth. Well, my that's opinion. my Baron Corbin spiel. You wanted it, you got it. Fuck him. Yeah. Of course, I'm fast-forwarding it, too, and... And I see that they paired him up with a guy named Riddick Moss who did spend some time in NXT and they brought him up and he was a 24-7 champ. And I'm supposed to be impressed with his physique. I get it, right? doesn't matter his personality shit, but 
it is what it is, right? So they team him up, and then they basically go over on Kevin Steen. Yeah, I said it. And basically, during a, a segment, and I'm thinking, wow, man. I'm like, I wonder what, like, Bray Wyatt could have done with that time. Oh, God forbid, if we made this place uh, attractive enough, what would have done? What would have Adam Cole done with that time? But no, no, no. We got happy talk with goddamn happy Corbin. The fact that they spent money on trademarking things for this guy disgusts me. Makes me want to fucking puke. They spent their money on worse. Ever heard of the XFL? <sighs> All right, how about this one? Uh, hey, uh, we need to get a prop uh, department to go and uh, uh, give us a hand so May Young can give birth to it. <sighs> I don't think there Somebody was a, I don't know how much money was spent in that hand coming out of her <laughs> dusty pussy. <laughs> Speaking of dusty. The fact that somebody actually spent any money on it as a corporation is hilarious. Yes. Uh, yeah, we need a hand. Oh, what do you need? Happy fucking jerk off Corbin. No, I'm just kidding. I don't want to segue back there. Let's is go that, with this. So is, 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 is happy Corbin's finisher going to be now the happy ending? That would be great. Like that would be a stroke of genius. They're not going to do that because they're not. No. There's, no, there's no geniuses in WWE anymore. No. The only one that they had is 76, and he doesn't know anything. <laughs> he doesn't know what he doesn't know what gets over in 2011, 21. He didn't know what took to get over in 2011. If you listen to yep. CM Punk, hey, you want to yep. smoke this marijuana with me? Yeah. All right. So. We are back high spots in cheap pop Silicon Steve Valley. That's right, the Silicon and Steve Valley building his monster empire as we speak. And I am with my impaler, my friend, my partner in life and in wrestling, Vlad the Impaler. How are you, my friend? Back from that little break. I'm doing great. And I mean, how could I not be great considering we're life partners? I mean, that just puts a smile on my face, my round. Platonically, everybody, by the way. We don't want anyone to get the wrong impression. Oh, all right. Okay. But so I'm doing great, now man. talking. Was, oh, sorry. Go ahead, brother. Yeah, it was, it, yeah, I'm doing great. It was a great, great um, event that happened in New York City that some people on this podcast were lucky enough to attend in person and talk too much or texted too much. I, I kind of wanted to get the, you know, visual with this and just see the joy in your amazing Irish face. Well, I'll tell you what, folks, if you did, we're going to get into the details of it, but it was my first wrestling show, major wrestling show since Royal Rumble 2000. I did see a house show uh, when I was training with WXWC4 under the great Samu in Allentown, Pennsylvania. But it was the first major show that I've been to since the Royal Rumble 2000, where Taz made his debut against Kurt Angle and beat Kurt Angle's undefeated record streak. Just a quick little reminder to everybody, if anyone was remembered about that. And I'll tell you what, it, the absolute vibe and the excitement and the overall energy is, is bigger than anything I've ever seen in professional wrestling. You talk about five hours. People were on their seats at the end of the night when during the main event of Moxley, Kingston versus Suzuki and 
Lance Archer, people were still on their feet and then people were still screaming and cheering. And most of us were there from 7 p.m. to 12 a.m. That's five hours. That's a WrestleMania, for Christ's sake. And the energy was just so good. The matches were so good. And everyone is like professional wrestling fans alike are just so elated that we have real professional wrestling back again. I mean, it's something to be really appreciated and i think it's a celebration i'm actually thinking of going out to philadelphia in, in a couple of weeks just because Man. the energy was that great yeah it's good it's always a great experience and when you have that and you feel that in the room and i've i've felt it once or twice in my life with a wrestling show and i was like ah this is it man you know this is why you're here and even from just watching it from television i imagined you'd be in there and i was like i could like me watching it in my TV room, I'm feeling it there. I can only imagine what it's like being in person and all that energy just being part of it. And that's priceless as a fan. And I'll tell you what, my favorite moment absolutely was very forgetting part of the show. Kenny Omega and Brian Danielson face to face. I mean, the just people were just so excited for this match. And by the way, this is a match that no one even knew was even in a remote possibility just a few weeks ago, we thought Brian Danielson would be in AEW, but we had no idea what he was going to do. And within three weeks, you have a dream match that I don't think I never thought I was ever going to see Brian Danielson and Kenny Omega again, especially with Danielson being out and just the the love that everyone had and the and the impact and the and the genuine smiles on the competitors' faces. It was great. Brian Danielson was completely selling his emotion. He's like, oh, my God, this is great. He's smiling. And he had that look on his face only when he had that those moments in WWE. I've seen that look before. Kenny was trying not to sell it at all. And he did a really good job of putting so I was like, and I can hear his voice. I don't give a shit. I don't give a shit. And he did. He, he cracked. He's like, I don't give a shit. And you could tell because these guys have been friends for uh, probably 20 years at this point in time. No. Or close to it. And so it was just a real great moment, not just for them, but for all of us. And again, this is part of the thing about AEW opposed to WWE. The crowd might be the biggest game changer of the group because we're all in this together. We want them to perform well for us. There's a really hate, love-hate relationship going on with WWE and their fans. You're the authority now. You're the authority. They lied to us. They've been treating us like we're stupid for years. And AEW now gives us an opportunity not to feel stupid, and they give us what we want. And we got Kenny Omega and Brian Danielson in a 30-minute draw, one of the most perfect wrestling matches I've ever seen. Your thoughts and Taylor on this match. Um, I thought the match was perfectly done. I, I wouldn't change a thing. I, I was very cool with it from beginning to end. And usually I'm a type of guy who hates ties. Like I hate ties. Like, but you know what? This worked and it builds on, builds on the mystique of what we're like going to go and see here over the next few years. And it was a, it was a gem, the New York crowd, the energy, the, um, the way they just played into it and Daniel Bryan just absorbing it, like you said, you like, you know, him just looking around and smiling at everybody. And I got to tell you, I don't recall ever like witnessing such a pop for two wrestlers in a lockup. When they actually locked it up and they popped like that, 
I was all just smiles, man. I'm like, this is great. I just, I'm like this, you just felt it from that moment. Like we're here. Okay. This is it. We're here. And it was just awesome. The only so, yeah, I, I'm sorry. Uh, and just getting back to technically speaking, like I love like the, um, the story that they told, um, you know, during our pre-show meeting, you were talking about how, uh, you know, Ken, um, Daniel Bryan's a little bit more heelish in his tactics, but you know what? It's acceptable. Why? Because he's wrestling on a, sh- a show that's rated PG-13, and it's not him going to PG crowd. So this is the American Dragon, and he will go and kick somebody's ass and bend the rules a bit to get where he's going. And it's great. I love this this version of him. I love the moniker American Dragon. I think that is as cool as can be. And he deserves it. And um, I'm loving this, man. And just Omega being his heelish ways, the snapdragon suplex on the ramp on a guy who has neck and back problems. Like, this is this was brutal. Like, the V-trigger from 50 yards away. It was, uh, it was like Daniel Bryan was getting hit in the side of the head with one of Djokovic's serves or something, man. It was just totally nailed him in the middle of that stadium. It was great. Yeah, the match was put, done. The match was yeah. put together so perfectly. It really was. You had the ten minute, the first ten minutes. It was kind of in three acts. The first ten minutes, again, they, they really took their time. And and first of all, Bravo. I was wondering when we were there, well, why are they going on first? It makes sense because of the way they booked it for the for the tie. You mm-hmm. wouldn't want to finish a show like that. And also, it's it gives the the women's championship the main event spot and where it should be. I mean, it was an exhibition match for the most part. Should that supersede a title match? No. no. So I thought it was brilliantly done there. But just so many interesting things in this match that I thought were was, was great. Like you said, Omega working on the back and the neck the entire show. Because even earlier than that, he was kicking him right to the back when he started getting his first group of heat. But then Brian Danielson reversed it into that cattle mutilation uh, maneuver hold where he did where he bridges after he has the arms hooked. And absolutely brilliant move. Kenny goes out, and that's when after he was going for a or Brian Daniels was going for a couple of yes kicks on the ramp after Kenny took a powder. Uh, the big big yes when Kenny reverses it into that dragon suplex, sets up that huge V trigger, probably the longest V trigger I've ever seen Kenny do. And I've been watching a lot of Kenny Omega for years now. And that's when you just got great heat from Kenny. They went to the break, and as a live participant, as a live member of the audience. You didn't even realize you were going on a break. Kenny was so damn entertaining. He was drinking water. He was having fun. He was talking shit on Brian Danielson. You, it, it was really entertaining, even though they were taking a well, you know, a, a ninety-second mm-hmm. break for the match. And a couple of things you wanted to watch about this match: the chops, by the way, Kenny Omega. Wow, those monster hands of Kenny Omega. You saw the, and I think the, I believe it was. Excalibur said there's DNA. Kenny's DNA was all over Dan, Brian Daniels. That chat. was uh, that was that was JR's line for the night. He used the term DNA a couple times. Uh, he's like this. And he, he said this too. He goes, uh, Kenny America, he's got big hands, big hands. And then he's like, whap. <laughs> and, like, and then then JR's like, uh, DNA, blah, 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 DNA, grumpy cat. I loved it. Well, and that's something that's been put over about Kenny a lot is his big hands. Don Callis puts his hands over all the time. And I'm not going to, and you can take that with any way you want in terms of jokes, but um, those chops were great. The 
Brian Danielson's kicks were great. Just so stiff. It reminded me of Okada, Brian Danielson. And I haven't felt that way since AEW started. It reminded me of that kind of intensity the whole time. But the crowd was even crazier. Um, just love everything that happened. Kenny was kind Okada, of. Okada Omega, you mean, right? Yeah, I'm sorry. What did I say? Okada. Brian Danielson. But yeah, I just want to make sure. Okada, yeah, Okada and, Omega. It was the first yeah. time. Brian Danielson and Omega felt like Okada Omega. The first can time. I add something to that point? Right. Yes, because you, took, right. you because you brought that 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 match my way and that's where I became respectful of Kenny Omega as a as a wrestler and I and it was one of, it was a great match, right? But the crowd is the difference. The Japanese crowd is so respectful and just polite about like going through the match where it's almost repressed emotion watching this this beautiful match being put together. Where here in the states with Omega and Danielson Man, that was just unbridled passion watching two artists going back and forth. Yeah. The only thing I can remind me of that would be the Hogan Rock. WrestleMania. Yeah, actually that, very similar. Yes. That would be the only thing. And by the way, those guys had a lot more opportunity to make fans than these two guys did. These two guys are indie guys who are thumb wrestling in bingo halls back in 2004, 2005. So... Right. And longtime friends and Brian Danielson, it just was great. The match was brilliant. Brian, so after Kenny gets his heat for a couple minutes, five minutes left in the match, and the match cruised. It was 30 minutes. You can get through this match. It feels like it's five minutes long, this match. It just goes. It's just great. And then Brian Danielson, that great spot where he does the dragon, Kenny does the dragon off of the, does the avalanche dragon suplex. And again, how great. And I, I'm going to put over the, the commentary team, including JR. They commentated this match like they were commentating the Super Bowl. Yeah, it was really beautiful. It was beautiful, man. It was like they were top notch. And we've been critical, of course. <laughs> and we joke as well. But they were awesome during this match. Absolutely. I mean, even with that, they said, did that particular maneuver. Shivani was like, oh, he flipped over. So he didn't like, thank God he didn't land directly on his neck or back. Still took a really bad bump, though. That was ugly. And just yeah. the way and they were t- saying how he, they were putting over how Danielson had that injury. And it just was well done. They did their job perfectly. They weren't spending 15 minutes telling you how much of a scumbag Kenny Omega was and how brave Daniel Brian Danielson was. They right. didn't spend you. They worked on let the match be what it is, what it's supposed to be. An athletic competition, athletic competition fight for our enjoyment that is predetermined, and just outstanding job of, of Omega and Brian Danielson just coming, going back and forth, and again, as you said, the crowd absolutely into every bit of it, and the bell <laughs> rang, and as you said, initially people booed, but then like, wait a minute, then you start thinking about how well this is booked, and that this is just a. This might not even be a chat. This is just the tip of the iceberg of what we're going to see with these two guys. Because another thing I want to point out, what's one thing that 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 this match lacked? One thing, uh, well, a championship. No, the actual in-ring product. What did it, what did it lack from both competitors? Finishers being used. Bang. Brian Danielson didn't even sink in the LaBelle lock. And by the way, let's get over Excalibur. Thank you for explaining what the label lock was because you knew Michael Cole doesn't know what the hell it is. Thank you, Excalibur. 
I got to do it. I must admit that that was the first time anybody or I even understood where and the origin of the LaBelle lock came. So I got to back you up on that, man. That was I I felt like I was just educated for once during a match. And I was like, oh, I could use that now. Thanks for letting me know. Uh, It was fantastic. Excalibur and and Shivani in particular, but even Jr. was on point. So well done by everybody. Just the, the show, the, just everything about that particular match was as perfect as it could be for the story they're going to tell. Then, what do you do after the after they go, they go off and the bell rings, similar to Rocky Rocky One, and later on in the night, Kenny, Kenny actually tweeted, "There ain't going to be no rematch," similar to Apollo Creed after after Rocky One. Right. Um. There, they were fighting as the bell was going off, and then obviously Brian Anderson got him in that. So it, it it is just the beginning, and now Kenny can be the, you know, the the chicken shit heel and try yeah. to dodge Brian Danielson. And Brian Danielson now, if he wants a title match, he'll have to go through the ranks because he didn't get a win. Yeah, no, no, yeah, and it's it's it was just like perfectly placed again. It showed you that he is just as good as the champ. They're on even ground, but Kenny still in the advantage and has the high ground and like, and, and now uh, Brian Danielson has to still earn his way and that, all right. So now let's start the newest, like CM Punk. Let's start. Well, here's the new feuds. Who's he interested in working with? Let's see what's going to happen here. And it's really going to be interesting because he's already naming names, man. Like he's already like looking forward. Dante Martin. He wants to work with him almost immediately. And he'll get him just like he did. And look, he said, he mentioned a couple names when he yeah. was, asked who he wants to work with Hobbs and Darby Allen are at the top of the list. They're already checked yeah. off. By yeah, the way, yeah. Will Hobbs is a future star that match with yeah. him. I didn't watch the, the, I didn't watch the broadcast, but just watching the match live, man, this kid can go as yeah. big man. I don't And he can cut a promo too. I've heard him with a mic in his hand and he can cut a good promo. So look out for him. So CM Punk knows talent. Holy cow. Huh? Hobbs is like an imposing dude, man. And it's like when, and, and when he, when he came and not that, I don't know if we're going to segue into the Hobbs segment, but I just got, an, it's a note when he's out there, like his singlet is like the perfect blend of literally Taz and Harlem heat to me, or like Bam Bam Bigelow or something with the flames. And it's just like, I'm like, it's just, it, it, it hits certain nuances in my mind about pro wrestling history and stuff when this kid and for him to go out there and he's so young and he's big, he's powerful. Like he's imposing like another top notch young talent that they have. Yep. It's great. <laughs> yeah. That's the thing. They're building young stars too. And you know, yeah. a lot of those other WWE haters will go out and say, Oh, you're just WWX WWE stars. First of all, they're not just ex WWE stars, but the ex WWE stars are 10 times cooler and better what they're doing now. Almost every single damn one of them. I'm trying to think of someone who's less than you can make the argument of FTR in terms of uh, where they've been booked recently, but overall FTR is very happy because they're actually within a tag team division and they get to be in the best tag team division that has been in probably 30 or 40 years. If not the best ever. So, yeah, I'm FTR all the way, man. Um, but yeah, what a what a brilliant match. Where do you go from here with Kenny Omega and Brian Danielson? We already alluded to it. Brian's gonna have to probably earn it now, and Kenny's gonna have the now, but people well, then you're also gonna play on Kenny's ego. People are gonna say, well, are you afraid of Brian Danielson? And Kenny won't be able to handle that. His ego. 
Well, I think what I another thing, uh, the way they table set this thing was like what happened after the match with Omega and Brian Danielson uh, with uh, uh, the super click. Like, dude, the, can I, let me say this out loud. After Kenny Omega and Brian Danielson wrestled each other, Adam Cole walked to the ring with ran to the ring with the Young Bucks to go and aid Kenny Omega. And then all three of them hit the super kick on Brian Danielson. And like, just the fact that I'm saying this as a WWE fan, I'm going to air quote that right now. I have history with WWE. Just the fact that I said that, and we watched this on free TV, is mind blowing in ways that this actually happened. And it, and it was awesome when they the three of them hit and like and I, the fact that I just told you too, like I'm a fan of the American Dragon when they hit it, like there was such a heelish move. I was like, yeah, like I was like, awesome. I, I dug it. I was so happy they did it. Yeah, you know? and it was just like, a, and and they're sort of table setting maybe like Brian Danielson against Adam Cole here, or maybe they're going to do the trios thing with Di- Brian Danielson and Christian Cage and Jungle Boy against the Young Bucks and Cole. Something like that. So, like, this is cool. Um, it's, it's absolutely over the moon cool. And it reminded me a lot of WCW, NWA in their heyday, when Flair would have one of their things, would have a have a, a Broadway with somebody, and then the horse Damn. would come in and jump the guy afterward. And then, like, Sandy Magnum TA and, and Flair would, would do 60-minute Broadway, and it would go, the bell would ring. The horse would come and start beating the shit out of Magnum TA. But then... Outcome Dusty Roads and the Road Warriors. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It, it was kind of like that. And you're really into it. The crowd was going crazy. There's 19,000 people cheering here, and it's it was absolutely incredible. And at, and the rest of this this night was absolutely incredible. That was that was just the tip of the iceberg. Don't forget, that was just your first match. We still had CM Punk Will Hobbs, which was a fantastic match. And you could tell CM Punk feels great about it. He felt like, okay, Will Hobbs walked out of there a star. I think a lot of people feel that way, and that's what you want to get from your big guys. CM Punk. I got to say, there was one spot that Will Hobbs is lucky that he walked out of there at all. Which one was that? Because I didn't see the broadcast. Yeah, you got to watch it. The Hurricane Rana that CM Punk went to hit on Hobbs, Hobbs landed really awkwardly, like on his head and neck, and I think you like the referee. Oh, I did remember that. Yes. Yeah. I was like, I when I saw, I was like, ooh, like I'm like that. You know, it it was just such an awkward thing. And and again, it's what happens. Like unfortunately, and luckily he's okay. But man, I I, watching it, I'm like that could have gone either way. He was really lucky. And if I'm seeing Punk, I'm sure he he's going to go over that like 50 times in his head with with Will. So what? At the end of the match, CM Punk like leaned in and was saying stuff to him, and I was like, I wonder if he's like touching like touching base on that. He probably like that probably jolted both of them, you know. Yeah, or he said, or it was a good. match. I took it as a good match. Yeah. The, yeah. you know, because look, look, CM Punk picked him out of out of out of yeah, all the wrestlers in AEW. He need, needed a small handful. I'm one you can name in my hand. Will Hobbs was one of them, and he and so was Darby Allen. And both guys got out smelling like a rose after getting in the ring with CM Punk. And that, again, that's what you want. That's what Ric Flair used. To, that's what Ric Flair used to do back in the day. That's what Bret Hart did. That's what guys did. They made other guys look great and created stars. And AEW is doing that in spades, and I think Tony Khan's doing a great job of bringing these AEW guys, having the AEW OGs 
intermingle with the new WWE guys. You don't have a lot of WWE on WWE X because that's what's the point of that? You mm-hmm. know, like why would you have CM Punk fight Brian Danielson? It doesn't make sense yeah. at the point in time. Um, there's too much other stuff to do first, you know. Yeah. Um, but a brilliant match. Then you go right into a CM Punk promo, which was great. Um, you know, but he's right. He's, 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 every time he comes out, he's still getting these monster pops. They're going to subside a little bit as they come, but it's still every time he comes out right now and gets that pop, you just love to see it. Who knows? It'll, maybe it'll keep on happening. Maybe he's still destined to be the biggest name in wrestling. Who, who knows? Maybe it just won't be at a WrestleMania. It's 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 an incredible moment again, man. If and again, if he's one of the people that are helping spearhead WWE's demise, how fucking poetic is that? And I'm sure that's something I don't think he's concerned with, but I can tell you that's something in the back. I knowing just the way he has talked about that company in his life, that's something that's in the back of his head. It's like we are competition. I get to go up against them, and I have I have an army that I can go up against them with. And that's something that he didn't have 10 years ago. Think about the power that, like, a CM Punk, uh, a Bray Wyatt, a um, John Moxley, um, an Aleister Black, a.k.a. Malachi Black, have right now at this moment. They can actually be uh, uh, making contributions to the demise of the company that they worked for just previously. Yeah, and, I, and again, they're just going to be making their music. But yeah, you're right. But at the end of the day, it's not. It's just somebody finally said, hey, this can actually happen. At the end of the day, the demise of the WWE is going to be Vincent Kennedy McMahon not being able to let go of the reins the last 10 years or 15 years. The ironic thing is if I had to look in my crystal ball is like if I had to say 15 years from now, the most valuable thing that will be involved the WWE would be their library. Oh, absolutely. Because they have everyone's That's library. it. Yeah, because they have everybody's. That's the cat's ass right there. And it's like they have to go and, and, and here AEW can go and buy them and then provide that on their on their service that they would be having. Holy God, this is an, a revolution before our eyes. That's amazing. It really was. Uh the other parts of the match, we had a great – you didn't love it, the Pillman-MJF match. I thought it was good. I thought they did what they needed to do. MJF is back on the winning schneid. I liked how MJF was did the chicken shit thing by using Julie, Julia Hart and did the old Macho Man. Yeah, yeah. He's so – he knows how to absorb heat like nobody else. He, every little detail. And he's so – he's perfect. The guy is the closest thing to a perfect heel I've ever seen in my life. I mean, if he's – if if he's not perfect, I don't know who was. He has the chance of going down in history in the same breath as like Roddy Piper, like all time, even beyond. I'll tell you what, I would dare say he, he's so young and so yeah. good already. It, it's early, but I, I think he could be. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's no doubt he's going to be right up there with, with Piper. And I think Piper would be the, the top one you would suggest. Maybe you got, you want people would even say McMahon to a certain extent back in his 90, late nineties run as a heel. Um, I don't like to use him because he's not a real wrestler, but yeah, I agree. But you know, but Flair was loved by a lot of people too. I mean, you, you talk about your greatest heels ever. I mean, MJF just has the ability, and he doesn't give a shit either. I mean, he says some things that 
He just doesn't care. Metheny. Oh, yeah. And that, I mean, that's the thing. And that's the one thing. If anyone wants to cut a promo on in WWE, I wonder if uh, an AEW, if that ever happened. Imagine if MGF was, I'm sure they would give it to CM Punk for a retort. Not that oh, I think yeah. WWE would ever do that. But if they did, I think CM Punk would probably take that one. But MJF would be a little bit more, he might even be more of a loose cannon than, than Punk would be in that instance. But yeah. Well, I do want to talk about next. I would like to talk about the Cody Rhodes Malachi Black match. But before we do that, what did what did yeah. you not like about the MJF uh, Pillman match? Honestly, uh, I thought it was a little bit too big of a spot for Pillman. Did you not? Did you think he screwed up a lot? I thought Pillman was fine. no, no, not screwed up. It was just a different pace. He was just like he's not like you know, like compared to the Bucks and like Adam Cole and like Pillman's like still like I'd say a step behind. He's like more like on Cody level, I'd say as as what he's doing inside the ring, if if you will, at that point. You know, it's not it's not major, but it just like I don't know. It was like to me, if there was a valley in the show or the that first hour, or the, you know, that would it's probably that for me. And they did just follow Omega and Danielson. Yeah, yeah, it's it's tough, <laughs> tough act to follow, man. So I think that was. Um, I thank God they followed with that match. I think that was the match to do it with. Yeah. It was, you know, it was a pedestrian match. I think would be the best word I would describe it as mm-hmm. pedestrian match. MJF won cleanly with the salt of the earth armbar. We got to talk about the American Nightmare Cody Rhodes with Brandy and the Enforcer both making their long awaited return. Against Malak, my boy Malachi Black, and his entrance is really cool. Seeing Did you pop for him? Oh, I, I love him. I, I was cheering for him the whole time. I was booing Cody Rhodes. I was one of the many yeah. booing for Cody Rhodes. How bad was the heel heat there for Cody? It was palpable. It was it was like Cena in New York or Chicago. That's what it was like. Hmm. So, but the thing is, is that Cody doesn't have the equity that Cena had when he was getting booed. Cody hasn't put in the work on screen. And we've talked about this Mm -hmm. and he does these really disingenuous shitty things. That's self-serving crap. Like that 50 foot fucking cape he walked out with in this match. He walks out, Cody Rhodes walks out. Like he's the bell of the ball. He has a long Superman esque cape on, but it's blue. And dude, I couldn't believe it. It must have been fifty foot feet long, this cape. And they right. didn't really get a great shot of it on television. True. I saw the whole thing. It was all the way from the back, all the way down to just before he gets to the ring. I saw a picture of it online, not on the show. Whoa. Why? That's, I think, a reference to a character known as Homelander on a show called The Boys. Which he's like a he's like a Superman uh, type character, I'd say, uh, but American, if you will. And but he does devious things. He's like super American, I believe. Like all America's bad parts, and it's almost like a tip to the hat where I think Cody's going to be turning heel sooner than later. I don't think there's any doubt about it. What do you do with him? How can you keep him up as a bait? He's been getting booed for months. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's is like, it and new? I, I, yeah, I think this is going to be revolving around the whole Arn Anderson scuffle during the match. And Brandy's like, 
reactions to him after, you know, like uh, to the side there. So put Brandy yeah, in charge. But, the, the, he needs to go. He needs to go ring of honor, Brandy Rhodes, Cody Rhodes. That's what they need. To yeah. Do. Yeah. Uh, and that's what probably was Cody at his very best in terms of as a, as a performer, in my opinion, as a performer. Yeah. This is my question then. And let's get into this. And I like this. How do you turn Cody Rhodes heel? Let me hear your thoughts. I have a pretty good idea what I want to do. Well, you're putting me on the spot, so maybe you should go first. <laughs> um, I can start. Yeah, I, 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 I if you want to go first, because I'm not even sure. Like, I, it's definitely would revolve around Arn. I'm trying to think. How do you like dovetail him away from like Malachi Black? Like, because I, I don't think Malachi Black necessarily wants to be a babyface at this point. Like, I think he wants to be the sort of the anti-hero and not acknowledge it, but uh, absorb them and get the House of Black uh, pops when he's when he's dressed in his cowl and 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 basically talking to his uh, parishioners, you know? Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, so basically, I you know what? I, I don't know. I'd have to think about how I'd do it. But there's there's a couple options, I guess. I mean, we're not going to see the horseman anytime soon. <laughs> I don't know if you know this. Paul Roma has been contacted and he will fill in for the role as Ric Flair. I heard that uh, yeah, people from the uh, Silicon Valley area, wink, wink, have reached out to the Roma family and have arranged for this to become a thing. Oh, we're going to we're going to get it done. We're going to get it done. But this is how I would do it. Are you ready? Do you want to yes. hear Let, how lay I, it on me? You want to hear how how the Silicon one will book? You want to hear it? You want to hear it? This is how the Silicon one will book this. And I disagree. I, I agree with you that Malachi Black originally would have loved to turn, would stay heel and stay heel. Originally, I would agree with you. But he's getting pops every time he comes out. He has referred to them as the House of Black, similar to the Fireflies that Bray Wyatt had. Yeah. So I don't know if he's shying away from the fan love. That, and this, that being said, you have your first really good successful double turn that I can remember since Bret Hart, Stone Cold Steve Austin. And you do it in a way perfect. It's really easy. You do it in a way where Cody cheats to win, which Malachi Black has done at least once. (laughs) He cheats to win. He gets the victory. And then he beats the shit out of Malachi Black. He's getting booed. Arn Anderson then tries to step in. All right, dude, you got the win. And then he decks Arn. There you go. And then Brandy and he smile at each other. And then he starts kicking Arn. It's not bad, man. It's a pretty good idea. And then Malachi Black has the, has the baby face turn. Maybe a similar to an Undertaker in terms of the character in which he goes. Very similar. It was a little faster because of the, the time we live in, but he really had a very Undertaker vibe because the Undertaker was getting cheered as a, as a heel too. And so they turned a baby face with, because they had to fire the, they had to fire the ultimate warrior. So they had to turn some, they had to turn a baby face for, uh, he had, they had to have a program set up with him to turn baby face with Jake, the snake Roberts. So I think that might be the way, particularly if, are you ready for the segue? Tell me. Particularly if the rumors are true that Wyndham Rotunda will make his AEW debut this Wednesday night. And yes. we we did a little digging 
Meaning that I saw it on FightfulSelect.com. That's good. That is digging. That's digging. Bray Wyatt had a clause where he can deny the 90-day no non-compete. And if yeah. that was the case, he would very easily be able to debut this Wednesday. And he has also tweeted that you will see me very soon, as recently as a couple of days ago. Wow. So that's kind of breaking news in terms of speculation. It's Rochester. It's the hometown of Brody Lee. It's the first time they're going to be in Rochester. Obviously, we know what happened the first time it was supposed to be in Rochester. Something known as COVID-19 hit. And Brody Lee had to debut down in Florida. So this is kind of in some way AEW's debut. They're going to have a special moment for Brody Lee. And I can't picture a better moment for Wyndham Rotunda. By the way, Wyndham Rotunda, who had a nod, Bray Wyatt had a nod by Brody Lee in his debut. He went, looked like he was going for the Sister Abigail, yes. but then went for the clothesline. This is something that Tony Khan, if he can make happen, is going to happen. And we just need to just... Yeah, and you know what I think this ties into is like the whole um, Dark Order sort of splitting up and there being like sort of fractions with it. And they're already like feuding with Matt Hardy. And of course, to me, you know, look at it. Bray Wyatt and Matt Hardy have had a history. You put Matt, you put Matt, you put Matt Hardy with Wyndham Rotunda? Um, well, you put the uh, HFO what, with Wyndham Rotunda? No, no, I'm not saying like you put him the HFO with him, but the thing is, it's like an easy. You have the Dark Order already feuding with them. The Dark Order and the HFO is so much like the corporation versus the Ministry of Darkness. If you form them, it could be like a new Ministry of Darkness. Is that what you're suggesting? No, no, I'm just saying like there might be a. Hey, listen, you know what? I wouldn't. I liked Wyatt and Hardy together. I enjoy that. But what I'm thinking is that they probably would feud and it's like an easy sort of thing for uh, uh, Wyndham Rotunda to go and just start off against Matt Hardy's jobbers, if you will. I don't know if that's how I bring in Wyndham Rotunda because he already, as you said, has worked with Matt Hardy and has worked the program with him. You're going to put them together right away? I don't know if that's something that... I'm not saying that they put them together. I'm saying like they would be feuding. Even feuding because they feuded too. I don't know. I don't know if Tony Khan would do that. As I said before, early in the broadcast, they really try to stay away from putting the WWE guys against each other at this point. Except for maybe Matt Hardy and Christian had the one one, one match, but other than that, it hasn't been anything. Too like, isn't isn't there a hair versus hair match involved here? That's exactly the point. So I, he's already working with a hair versus hair thing, and I think Matt Hardy's the guy who's going to lose his hair in that instance. But, but he he pushed it off onto one of the other jobbers, the guy with like the, one of the hybrid guys, I think. Oh, did he? I thought. Oh, that that's the new stipulation. Oh, okay. Yeah, Matt Hardy's like, no, because you, you, you're gonna win. You're gonna win. That guy's <laughs> losing his hair, obviously. Oh no, yeah, but I think that that's just setting up a match for against Matt Hardy as well, isn't it? No, well, no, like, um, I don't know if that you think it's gonna eventually be a. A hair versus hair match with Matt Hardy and Orange Cassidy? Like, as far as, like, it'll be Matt Hardy putting his hair on the line? I think so, yeah. Okay, I thought he just dished it off on the jobber. And that's where the program ends? Yeah, or, like, yeah, who knows where they're going to go with it. Yeah, you know, no, there's got to be a face-off between Orange Cassidy and Matt Hardy. There's got to, that's that's how you got to. Yeah, yeah. If they didn't do that, this whole thing would be a waste of time. 
No, no, yeah, they'll, they'll wrestle. But are you, like, are you saying that those two will wrestle for their hair? That it'll just be like a you know competitive match between the two. They got to do something. They have to add something to it. I believe. Yeah, I think oh. Matt Hardy might be thinking maybe this might be a time to go bald because he he's got to evolve his character a little bit because Big Money is both characters he's brought to AEW were something that he rehashed from previous time. He was Big Money Matt in Ring of Honor and Impact, and he was obviously Broken Matt Hardy and Woken Matt Hardy previously as well. So it might be a way for him to evolve his character, which is something he has always prided, prided himself on. So that might be where I would look for that to go, but you might know better than I, you, you know, that your guess yeah. is as good as mine in that situation. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure, but yeah, like how you think they're going to like, like obviously when the more time he's going to come in to do something with the dark order, I'd imagine. Right. I don't Can necessarily know about else? that. I don't, I don't okay. know if I agree with that. All right. I'm not 100% on that because I don't think it's going to be the Dark Order. I do, yes. I believe he might come in and Stu Grayson and Evil Uno might go with him, but I don't think, I think the Dark Order right now is strongly, go, is very strong with the, with Preston Vance, Alan Angels, Silver, Reynolds, and even Anna Jay. I think that is a good faction they seem to have. Those those five guys have seemed to have gotten together. There, I like what they're doing with the Dark Order because most of this has, t- has taken place on Dark. This is the first time you really saw a lot of that in ring stuff with what they did, and Evil Uno walking away after saving them. Mm-hmm. I would suggest that Evil Uno is definitively going to turn heel with Stu Grayson, and I think they might go with Bray Wyatt, but I don't think Bray Wyatt takes over the Dark Order. I think he starts his own thing called the Win- Cult of... of uh, Mendham. Interesting. Yeah, I, I'm really intrigued to see what he, he has in store for us, man. And going yeah, back... He, and, and yeah, so back to Malachi mm-hmm. Black, if he comes in as a heel, as you would think he would... Mm-hmm. Malachi, so you have two Dark Lords kind of on the same yeah, side. Yeah. Um, not that I'd want those two guys to go up against each other, but something maybe down the line, even though they did never work together in WWE. So that would be something to be interested that I would be interested in. Even though they were WWE guys, they never worked together. And that would be something that maybe you build up. And that's why I'm thinking with Wyndham Rotunda coming in, maybe Malachi Black could be a baby face because there is room because you have two different dark, you have two dark Lords on either side. Yeah. 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 It's one too many. That's what I'm saying. You can't have two dark lords on the as heels. Yeah. You know what? One of them's got one of them got to go. Jake Roberts and Undertaker. One of them had to go. Out. See ya, Jake. I'm gonna go smoke some crack over here. See ya, Jake. That's all right. That's part of the reason we're letting you go. Don't be a weenie. And unfortunately, by the way, I was really hoping that. My man Lance Archer was just going to drop Jake and then pick up Minoru Suzuki as his as his handler. Not the way it's going to go. Apparently, Jake just has a foot injury. Foot injury. Jake Roberts. Yeah, man, I was just out there smoking some monster weed. And I broke my damn ankle. I heard. You know what? I heard something like he was having breathing issues. I mean, he should have been dead twenty years ago. Wow. You know. Let's just tell us how you really feel. Oh, no, he'll tell you that. I'm not being disrespectful. The guy, I mean, 
But God bless him. He's been clean and sober for several years now, so he's turned his life around. Yeah, he was a real mess. Unfortunately, I guess he needed to be a little fucked up to cut a good promo, but... That's where the darkness came from. <laughs> so, we had that, so that situation, but it's going to be pretty interesting going back into the American Nightmare Malachi Black match. It is time for Cody to turn heel. Many people are saying that the disease from within or the I forget what it was called. It was something from within. It was a black mist spraying Cody's eyes that got Malachi thing. And I think that's why it would be good because then Cody could say this guy did this, this, and this, and I do something and you guys boo me. You guys are, I mean, right. it, I mean the promo writes itself. Him yeah. cutting that promo on the fans is going to write itself. And Brandy yeah. Rhodes gets heat everywhere she goes. When she jumped in the ring and gave Malachi Black the finger, whoa. Yeah. You know, I got to ask you. So, uh, you know, you told us how uh, you being there live, you saw and, and you know, mentioned how Cody was getting heat. How, what sort of, like, positive vibes was Malachi getting? Was he way over as, like, throughout Absolutely. the crowd? or yeah. Absolutely. Everyone's cheering for Malachi. It was a yeah. clearly a Malachi, clearly a Malachi situation. What's interesting though, I had a a guy sitting next to me and he asked me, "Why is the crowd?" I guess I think they were kind of WWE guys, so these are a little bit noobs to AEW. And he said, "Why does the crowd hate Cody so much? Isn't he supposed to be a good guy?" And I said, "Well, I think it's mostly because he comes off as really disingenuous." Some people say he doesn't put people over, but I don't agree with that. I just think he comes off as a disingenuous prick. <laughs> and he's like, oh. And apparently he's a huge Cody Rhodes fan. That was one of the reasons. <laughs> oh, man. That guy just. That guy and I realized it early by the look on his face. Like, and I was like, he should turn heel because he's really good at being heel. That's what he should do and put Brandy. And because I saw it, the magic that Brandy has as a heat mm. seeker, as his valet, getting rid of Arn, bringing back the natural night, the nightmare. Now, the only thing is, is that is there going to be anybody? I, I just think that everything about Cody has been completely botched the last year. His character has been in and out. Hasn't done, hasn't put, he hasn't done the work on screen. He's done all the work and then somewhat you could do off screen. God bless him. And he's one of the mm -hmm. reasons that we are talking about AEW wrestling right now. So I love Cody and I'll always have respect for him. However, as a baby face run, this has been garbage. And if you don't do the work on screen, your character on screen is going to suffer. And that's why his chance is, is, I guess, attempt to be a John Cena or, Hulk Hogan has well the Miz because of the show, but to be the guy in AEW to be that big time babyface, it seemed like he was putting himself to be that guy, despite the championship clause. Just the pomp and circumstance in which he carries himself, the birth reveal, that Highlander or Homelander cape, the everything that bring that Cody brings to the table has been garbage for a year. And I don't know, some part of me thinks he, it's been done on purpose so he can have this heel turn. Yeah. But part of me also thinks it's just been poorly done and poorly booked. The whole thing with Anthony Agogo was a disaster. Yeah, yeah, that did not work out too well. The weigh-in was just a, a riot, a laugh riot. And you have the two worst factions going at it, the Nightmare Family versus the Factory. Yeah, who cares? Worst, like, who cares? It's like, it's like, 
That was like Los. That's like Los Bariquas versus the motorcycle gang. Like I don't ever gave a shit about those assholes. See, see, totally getting back to the whole original point part into the story, which is hilarious to me, is that you went and called this guy's favorite wrestler at the show a disingenuous prick. Yeah. I, but I turned it around. I, I turned it around and made it okay and saved the day. It was fine. That'd be like a that'd be like a Ric Flair fan being somewhere and be like, yeah, I don't know about this guy. He just likes to do the helicopter. Woo! <laughs> and we and we would be remiss if we didn't get in Ric Flair after this segment. Um, the rest of the night, and we'll we'll also include which uh, we'll want to include the also rampage because it was one night again folks five hours yeah. of professional wrestling you had three matches in dark which i will not give the spoilers away you can see it next week try to be nice um really great matches top to bottom i love the ftr sting darby match even though i didn't love the finish because i wanted my guys to win but how I, over I, was sting what happened how oh, over sting was sting was, Sting and Darby were ridiculously over, and Sting wrestled a hell of a match. That was his first televised he, match in it, how many years? He was awesome. I did the double stinger splash, the the Ricky the Dragon steamboat high cross body from the top rope. Yeah, I love that. My God. And how old is how old is Sting again? 63. So 63 old dude got up there for a uh, body splash off the top rope, man. And, and, and FTR, God bless them. They made them look, you know, they all made each other look great that night. It was awesome. Just the way oh, they all played off each other. And they loved it. FTR knows what their role is right now. They're going to get their time in the sun again. Don't you worry. We're going to get bucks. And, and then once again, did you um, pop for the FTR and NWO uh, tip of the hat? Yeah, I did. They they have been doing a great job of always having really awesome gear as of late. FDR, yes. give them give them credit. They're always tipping a hat to somebody, and you gotta love it. You know, I think even one of the spots that they did and the, on the pay per view was a spot was a famous spot that the Heart Foundation did with the Rockers one, one time, and it was like the exact spot that they decided to do. So it's just they, they're just great. Uh, and it was a good situation. Sting was really over. Again, I really think Sting and Darby are going to be in the hunt for tag team championship. Um, then, of course, and I love this, with Cody Khan giving the women's title the main event slot. You very easily could have done the Kenny Omega, Brian Danielson in the main event. Nobody would have batted an eye. No one would have said a word. But because of the way the finish, just it was booked perfectly and everything worked out great. Britt Baker still both were super over. Crowd was into this match. Seemed like the crowd lost a little bit of its luster middle of the match and a little bit toward the end. You'd think it was a little bit. Didn't love the finish so much. It was kind of like a, a normal heel finish. You know, a couple distractions. Yeah. She, you know, uh, but Britt Baker wins and she they go off air with her winning that. And as they should have. E-M-D. And ending one of the most historic and best nights in the AEW Dynamite ever. And a couple other, and then we had a just great rampage as well. Nothing major in terms of the results, in terms of the matches. Uh, we already d- discussed CM Punk going over on Will Hobbs. Will Hobbs looked amazing. How entertaining was the eight man tag? I love yeah. that match. The yeah, quadruple good. flip to the outside. 
stereo yeah. stereo flip to the outside. Um, super over. We're we're all for the or, or the baby faces here. Lucha Brothers and Pride and Powerful were super over. Pride and Powerful, obviously the hometown boys. They were absolutely loving it. That was a very entertaining match. The Anna J match was actually pretty good with the bunny. The ending was even cooler because you saw the Dark Order kind of getting in a little bit of a scuffle with the Hardy family office. You saw uh, Evil Uno and Stu Grayson come in for the save, but then not shake the hand of their brothers. And we already kind of touched on what we might think might be happening with that as early as this Wednesday. It's going to be awesome. Yeah. And, but we would be remiss if we'd not talk about the super click going over on the amazing and talented Jurassic Express and Christian with a couple things to note. How is how much is Adam Cole loved by everybody? He just he's a star, man. He's an absolute star when he goes out there. I mean, he just emotes it, you know? Yeah. The way he walks. Yeah. He's not a big he guy, owns, but it doesn't matter. He owns the room. Just the whole. Yeah. I mean, boom. Bring the boom is the name of it. I love that it's, song. I don't know if that, is that an original song that they just came out with, or is it something that he used back in Ring of Honor? I saw today that is like the number one selling saw, song on like iTunes. It's got a riff, man. It's got a good hard riff, perfect for a professional wrestler. Yeah. Boom. I mean, this could be big, man. Yeah. You know, we're, we were, we're clamoring over CM Punk and Brian Danielson. Adam Cole was really the third guy to be named here. Hey, he's an afterthought. Three or four years from now, Adam Cole could be the guy who is running this company. I don't think that's a far-fetched idea. No, it's not. It's absolutely could be that. He could be the guy. You know, I mean, he's only 32 still. I mean, you know, and we, we forget everyone because WWE has put so many guys in the number one spot in their early to mid-20s. You forget back in the day, the really great pro wrestlers were all in their mid-30s and 40s. Yep. Those were the guys that were telling the great stories. Those were the guys that were having the classic matches. Yep. You know, great. you know, Steamboat and Savage didn't happen. WrestleMania didn't happen back in the mid seventies when they started out. It happened in the mid to late eighties in eighty seven when when they got when those guys were strictly in their thirties, maybe early forties. Yep. So you have all this talent that's coming over right in the middle of their prime too. That's the exciting thing. Adam yep. Cole's coming over right in the middle of his prime. Wyndham Rotunda coming over in the middle of his prime. Miro, middle of his prime. Moxley, middle like all these guys are ready to go to main event, major pay-per-views. All these guys on both sides, the OGs and the new guys from WWE. It's incredible, man. It is an absolute incredible time in AEW. They're stacking an all-time roster right now. It is, yeah, absolutely. And that match, I, I got to tell you, man, that six-man match, I loved it because of uh, just the weaseling antics of Adam Cole and just honestly the way the young bucks like play off him too. I was enjoying. Like, th- there's a different chemistry there with young bucks and Cole versus Omega. It's immediately a- apparent. They're having a lot more fun. The- and I don't know how much they go into the characters of the of them as well. 
Kenny's always super self-conscious about things where Adam Cole never is self-conscious. Adam Cole is super confident. He doesn't have any of this. He doesn't have any insecurities. Whereas Kenny is always worried about if he's over or not. It's, it's part of that dynamic, which is going to rear its ugly head sooner than later. And that's just a fantastic match. I loved everything they were doing. How about when the bucks ran back and forth and they were going to do this and they, and they didn't, and they just yeah. did Adam Cole and then they kicked right. him in the head anyway. Gotta yeah. love it. And then, yeah, I, I laughed at that and uh, you know, like, uh, and that's going to become a problem. Do you think that's going to become a thing in one of in their matches every time now or no? I, no, I don't think they do that. They're, they are really self-conscious, uh, uh, really conscious of doing the same thing over and over. It's the way I've heard interviews okay. with all them goes, guys. So I don't think they're not WWE. Again, I hate, I hate always bringing up WWE, but we're so trained now. Every time we see a guy, he's going to do his gimmick. Every time we see John Cena, he's doing the five-knuckle shuffle, no matter what match it is. Every time we see whoever, they're going to do their shtick. The Bucks try to change it up. They really, really do. They'll do that spot once, or they'll do another spot where they do a they do like a NWO homage, or they do a different kind of flip. They always do some wrinkle in there to annoy you as heat seekers. So, yeah. so I don't think it's going to be an every week thing. They might do it again. I'm sure they'll do it again. They've done it before, but it won't yeah. be an every match thing. But I love the match, and you're right. The chemistry that those three guys have together. I mean, Adam Cole, how great is that? A couple weeks ago, you're headline, you're not the headliner, but you're doing a pay per view in NXT, and now within a couple of weeks, you're tagging with your best friends, with your girlfriend, yeah. who's the face yeah. that runs the place in the women's division. Right, and then they'll probably be the first trios champion, and uh, to become champions, I have like very little doubt about that. And like, I could see the Super Click merchandise moving like crazy, man. They're going to be like more popular than the elite, even. That's a very good possibility. Now they might not book it to where they're together all the time, but I can guarantee you they are going to get those, those six man tags. Which leads us before we go on to the ramp, other ramping stuff. Big news this week coming out that two new titles will be announced, or will be in AEW's circulation. They're adding two more titles. They are adding the TBS Women's Championship. Hmm. And they are adding a, the six-man tag team championship. So those are two things that they are bringing in. I know a lot of people, particularly J- Jim Ross, does not like a lot of titles. And, Paylor, what are you feeling about that? I like more titles. I like titles like that. And, and I'm really happy that the women are getting a secondary title as well. Um, I, I could see pros and cons of both. I'm okay with there their being more titles as long as it's handled properly. Uh, the 24-7 championship, I despise. I don't recognize it. I hate the way it's totally been used and, and jammed down my throat. I'm disgusted by it. However, I used to be a fan of European championship matches back in the day with WWE. You know, like I was like, there, there's something to like the style and the mystique of that belt. The IC championship, I'm a big fan of that because I know they're going to put that on that. That guy might be a world champion one day. That's the first step. So they'd all have their, their place. And as long as they're treated with, you know, their due, I'm cool with it. But um, yeah, that's my thoughts on that. Yeah. I'm really excited about it. Cause I was talking about them getting a six man tag championship about a year ago, if you remember. And I, I really thought it was a good idea because they had a lot of three way at the time when they came out, they had, they had SCU, you had Kenny Omega and the bucks. It could have been, you had a lot of different three 
man teams that were coming together. So I thought that was something that could have done a while ago, but now you have a lot of great personalities. You could do more things with, I mean, Jurassic Express can get a, a part of it. As we said before, there's a lot of little guy. There's a lot of factions in here that can go after those best, fantastic best friends. Uh, yeah, we go on and on. I mean, members pin, of the inner uh, circle, pin, members, pinnacle. Yeah, members of the pinnacle. You could put FTR with Sean Spears would be great three six man tag champions. Yeah. So, with all that being said, we continue on. I, I actually am really excited about it, and I'm and the first time you're seeing a secondary women's championship in any company. That I, that I know of anyway. Maybe Impact had it or something, but they don't count. Uh, uh, we, we go on, though, after we talked about all that. Man of the Year, and this was a, made a lot of big news this week. Man, in, Man of the Year, Scorpio Sky, all ego, Ethan Page against Jericho and Hager. And what would you think of this match? Um. I sort of uh, the match doesn't stand out to me. I got to like rewatch it. I'll, I'll be honest with you, but I remember like seeing how it broke down. I was surprised at like how much like Scorpio Sky was like sort of uh, like taking a lot of the uh, brunt of like Jericho and like uh, Hager's like punishment. Like it was like kind of caught me off guard because I, I think he's a pretty talented guy, and it just like I felt like he was really just it was a weird role during the match. But I won't get too deep into that. Uh, but Otherwise, like the ending of it is, is the most intriguing part of it to me. Absolutely. The reason I'm saying this is like, all right, they've kicked down the forbidden door, which is wrestling promotions, sort of interacting with each other, sharing champions, utilizing collective TV time together. It's an interesting idea. Now they're cross promoting another sport and bringing them into this. And like, even back in the day when Cornette was like managing, was it Severin? It, it was, oh, okay, this is different, but this is nowhere near that. Like, this is like, you got some major guys from MMA coming into that ring right now, and they're legit badasses that could destroy people. Champions. And, Former champions. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, so like, man, this is like a different forbidden door that they're kicking through. And it's interesting. You're going to have the inner circle against like America's top team, I guess, right? And, um, yeah, man, I, I, I don't know. It's a, it's a really interesting thing. And, um, I forgot the guy that uh, leads America's top team. What the hell is his name? Uh, Dan Lambert. Come on. Dan Lambert. Yeah. I'm sorry, Genius. man. I'm sorry. Yeah. Like he was getting some pretty good heat, right? Oh, always. Yeah. He's great, man. And he was great. He was loving it. He was, and they did a great job. They got him in there. They got him in the ring where, oh, my God, they're going to beat up Dan Lambert. Here he comes. Here he comes. And then, no, then the new heel surprise comes in. Ah, damn it. And then Jericho took a whomping from Paige Van Sant and then Jorge Mizvidal nailed him with a, like a explosive running knee that people think legitimately knocked out Jericho. I don't know if it did, but it definitely looked right. very violent. <laughs> yeah, so. like, can you imagine this? Like, what, what would happen – if Conor McGregor showed up at AEW. That would be amazing. That, that moves the needle. That Tony, moves the needle, man. Absolutely. I'll tell you what. The other thing is Tony Khan has proven he will go out and get the mainstream guys. You see it with Shaq. You see it with Mike Tyson. You see it with Rosario Dawson. 
you, you see that Tony Khan definitely wants to get AEW in the mainstream. And he's got partners with TNT, which is partners with the NBA, and which and he's partners with everybody in the NFL and everything that comes to it. I mean, this really is beginning to get a perfect storm where Tony Khan is starting to cement himself as the made me future, black and better term, the future ruler of professional wrestling to a certain extent. He will rule with an iron fist. Oh, my God, guys. I'm totally going to rule all of professional wrestling. We're so great, guys. Oh, yay! Kermit Khan, everybody. CM Punk, when he was doing the scrum with Tony Khan, Tony Khan looked like he was a child. It looked like Mickey Man. It looked like my father talking to Mickey Mantle. <laughs> he's so great and then he went for a hug at the it was so funny he went for a hug when they were done and it was just awkward because cm punk was just going for one of these yeah. and then he went for the hug and he's like, oh i gave him a hug and it was just really you got to watch the very ending of the media scrum with cm punk after all out yeah watch it. so cm punk not a hugger I, no he hugged him but it just was it just looked awkward it just yeah. it looked like one of those hugs that you gave the hot girl in high school when you never could get laid like, that's just me. No, it's like, oh, cool. She gave me a hug, and then you were real happy, and then you masturbated at home. Just I me. knew you were. I knew you were going to veer into something like this. I knew it. Boom. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> and uh, so, other thing that came, that happened, we had Miro, God's favorite champion, beating the living shit out of Sammy Guevara and. Fuego del Sol, which is setting up their big TNT matchup this Wednesday night. Are you excited about Do you think there's any way Sammy Guevara walks out of there as the champion? I don't think so. No. No. I think Miro wins this. I, I think Sammy could eventually win it, but not here tonight. Not here on that night. Gotcha. We did talk. We talked about Anna Jay and Super Bad Penelope Ford. With had the bunny wound up being in her corner. I said the bunny by accident earlier, folks. I apologize about that. Um, that ended with Penelope getting the win. And I tell you what, I love Penelope Ford. You know, I've been a big fan of hers for a while. It looks like she's getting something to wrap her, put her teeth into. Uh, she got it after Bunny interfered a little bit. <laughs> And that's when you had HFO all come out. Rapper, what? <laughs> the HFO for the human wall on the apron. Uh, so Orange Cassidy, Chris Lanner could not. Uh, Taylor walked onto the ramp. They called in for reinforcements and the Dark Order came out when the two girls were beating the crap out of Anna Jay. And mm. so best friends and Dark Order come out. And Stu Grayson and Evil Uno were not ready to bury the hatchet after they came in for the save as well. And but Colt Cabana, John Silver, Alex Reynolds, Alan Five, uh, Alan Angels, and Preston Vance were all there doing it. So I don't think that this version of the dark, I think this version of Dark Order is going to stay together. I just think the two guys are going to leave. And I think you're right, go with Wyndham, which we already talked about. Hey, I got a question for you. When you yeah. went to the event, when you went to the event the other night, did you sing along with Jungle Boy's theme song? No. Get out of here. I was singing, no, 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 no. <laughs> That's what I was singing. I don't blame you. I hate that. <laughs> um, and so the big thing, one of the big surprises, really the big surprise of this whole entire shebang, it was really just about the really great wrestling and stories that they were telling. But they, they did have a surprise at the end of the Lights Out match, which was a really good, hard-hitting match. 
if you like that kind of match, it was right up your alley. It was a very nasty match. Um, but it ended with after, you know, they beat the shit out of each other for 15 minutes, I guess. I, I don't love these matches, as you know. But Eddie Kingston puts Archer in a garbage can and then beats him with, beats the garbage can with a kendo stick probably 50 times or so. Takes it off, pins Archer. And, but right before that, the big surprise was right before Archer was about to slam Eddie Kingston into the two chairs, which looked like it was going to hurt. He set two chairs up. Homicide of impact and triple A theme. Homicide comes out and he hooks up Moxley and Kingston. So Kingston was able to get the upper hand on, on Archer with the ending that I already described with the kendo stick and the garbage can gets the three count and homicide Moxley Kingston hug. That's how they go off air. And after the night, both guys talked Moxley homicide, actually all three talked. The one thing I love to hear Kingston said, when we came here, we put our flag down in dirt. As we're leaving, our flag is down in cement. AEW is now taking over New York. New York is AEW country. So it was a monster night and a very positive feeling from the talent about this first appearance in New York city. It was groundbreaking, man. It was a big moment, you know, and it didn't have to be at MSG. It just, they had their moment. It was in Queens, Arthur Ashe stadium, Um, man, you know, and, and, and it's, it's a game changer. It's like they went into Vince McMahon's backyard and they kicked it to kick the door through uh, and just proclaimed it. Yeah. And I, it's, I don't put it in the same vein as, as they did maybe 30 or 40 years ago when you came into the Northeast. I think it's a little bit different now, but yeah, New York city has always been WWE country always. And there were rumors that AEW, their event actually outsold the Madison square garden event. They had a couple days ago. And that actually sold more tickets. So there is the, it's the changes here. And anyone that's, and you even see more people that were pro WWE and not giving AEW a chance. They're even coming over now saying, I'll tell you what, this is pretty cool. The changes here, folks. And we always say it every single week. If WWE does not change the way they operate, it's not going to, it's going to be, I'm telling you what, Tony Khan's worth four times the amount of Vince McMahon. That's a shoot. You could very easily see Tony Khan buying that in WWE. Maybe that's what happens eventually. Who knows? He's going to need wrestlers and their library. The library is a thing that you really want to. Yeah. Maybe that'll be the case. Maybe that'll be the deal. Uh, who knows? Maybe to, maybe Tony Khan will put that brick and mortar uh, wrestling hall of fame that I so desire in Florida. <laughs> Which one's that? Well, WWE won't do it, but if he buys them, then he could do like a real professional wrestling hall of fame and induct those from WWE that he feels fit. Maybe, you know, yeah. maybe, uh, maybe Snooki doesn't make it or something like, or like, you know what I mean? Something like that. But, uh, you know, others, <laughs> others Logan will Paul be there. Would make it now. Logan Paul would make it now. Too. Oh yeah. Five, he's yeah. He's, five years he's totally now. being there. Yeah, definitely. That's the thing. So, but yeah, man, <laughs> it's incredible. Uh, so we did, we did talk about the, we did talk about Wyndham Rotunda possibly coming in this Wednesday. Rick Flair came out with a statement saying he's never did anything like it. Hey, and RVD got into it over Twitter. 
No, really, I didn't see that. Not nothing big. Uh, Flair basically said that RVD didn't really seem to care. He tried to destroy his reputation. And RVD said, look, I never said you, I saw you do anything. I just said you were over there for a while. And so it was kind of like that. Um, but Flair is not backing down. He is not going gently into that good night. And he's getting canceled. WWE has taken him off a lot of things that he was, his name was attached to. And even like, there's no, like in the opening credits, like the whole, uh, like beginning montage, they took out the woo even. That might be a little bit of an overreaction, but. They're like, they want no Ric Flair right now. No, no, no. Are you saying woo or no? <laughs> yeah, they're just going to start calling Charlotte Flair Charlotte. <laughs> oh, and so, and that's it. So what did we miss? And we talked about a lot of things. What did we miss this week? One thing we definitely missed, let's talk about Charlotte Flair and Alexa Bliss. Monday Night Raw, did you see that segment? I did, man. It was like uh, there were some truth bombs in that that segment there, and uh, man, the, the the claws were out. It was great. I love to see Alexa Bliss back to a little bit like the way she was, even though I don't mind this character. But how about the line is, "You're not really original, Charlotte," and she said, "You're out." And Charlotte's like, "You really want to go to original there, pal?" That was great. I, when she said that, I was like, "This is awesome, man." Charlotte could cut a promo, man. When she when she's in that vein, she says some yeah. amazing things. I, I absolutely, I love Charlotte. But you do have to beg the question: Does Alexa Bliss have a point? If Charlotte doesn't have a title, I don't remember her really putting a lot of great stories together. Yeah, yeah, nothing's really standing out. So there might, so there is, like you said, there is some truth to it. Um, what did you think about Raw? Raw had the big triple threat match. They, it was kind of a thrown together situation. You had the New Day and, against the Hurt, or not the Hurt, sorry, New Bloodline. Day versus Bloodline on Raw. But that was the uh, that was the Raw that uh, Biggie opened up doing a speech, right? Yes. And that was where he tipped the hat to uh, Brody, Brody Lee, Lee which, absolutely. Which I, which I thought was a pretty cool moment. Um, a very, very powerful friend above the heavens, in the heavens. Below. And then people are like, "Oh, that's Brody Lee! Oh my God, that's Luke Harper! Oh my God, it's Brody, Brody Lee! Who's Brody Lee? China. That's Luke Harper." It was actually China. No one knew that. Oh, see, I didn't. I didn't realize they had some sort of uh, bond. Yeah, he was. He was one of the dudes. He was one of the luchadors in five. Where are you going? China. Oh, see, I didn't see that one. So the porno set up with her just taking a bunch of dicks in the middle of a ring. So that's how that works. Oh, God. So, yes. So he does cut. Give the, It was a really nice, well thought out promo. And again, I really feel like Biggie touches the audience. Her business or can't say that. the bloodline comes out. They have a really good match. Roman gets the pin and Bobby Lasser comes out and absolutely decimates everybody, decimates everybody in the bloodline and decimates everybody in the new day. So Bobby wants a match with Roman. Bobby wants a match with Biggie. Biggie wants a match with Roman. Everyone wants a match with everybody. So they have a triple threat match with arguably the three biggest stars in your company right now going at it. And you're telling me that's not a ratings grab. 
I mean, well, I mean, everything's a ratings grab at this point, right? Oh, okay. All right. But like, you know, it's not like they have rhyme or reason with their storylines. So they True can enough. pretty much, they jump around like a, like, like a cricket anyway. So, you know, Hey, I, let's do this. Sure. Fuck it. Yeah. Hey, wow. Bobby Lashley's not doing anything tonight. Hey, what about Roman? Oh, wait, Big E's going to be here. Oh shit. Let them all wrestle. Uh, so uh, those are the things that I drew from. And obviously Roman does win the triple threat match as well. Acknowledge him. Hey, he's the top. He is the, the he is the head of the table in WWE. There is no doubting that. No doubting that at all. He's been absolutely, absolutely the best character WWE has had the last ten years. I would say at least five. At least wise wise man. Wise man. Why are you still here? <laughs> when he looks puzzled. Wise man. Why are you still here? Oh, 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 I understood my child. Oh. He has a little bit of Paul Barron. He's like, like he's looking at him in such wonder and such like love. He's like, well, my, my, my tribal chief, uh, 48 hours before your next match. Sid. <laughs> and it was like, understood. So it was, it was great. That part of SmackDown was great. I did not see the ending. I predicted to you that the, that he would beat Montez Ford, and then the demon would come out and confront him, and he did. Like, that's what happened. So he, well, you know what they did uh, after Roman wins. Um, Paul E cuts a quick promo and says, "You know, like, like, like Montez Ford deserves more punishment for what he's done, and he's like, especially here in the city of Philadelphia, you need to take it to the extreme, right?" And he calls out and like. Paul Paul Heyman then goes to the to the table and says, "Play the play the Usos music, play the Usos music." And then um, the Usos come out and they start getting extreme with Montez Ford. And then all of a sudden, as they're starting to kick the shit out of him, the lights go black. And then where's the demon? They turn the lights back on. He's on top of the ring post and jumps off of that through the Usos uh, through the bloodline basically, and uh, and then starts just nailing all of them with kendo sticks and takes it them to the extreme, if you will. So that's the way they closed it out. That sounds good. It wasn't bad. Yeah. I mean, it almost makes you think that Finn Balor is going to win. Just kidding. <laughs> he's not. No, he's not. That'll be a weird match at the, at, at the crown jewel when Lesnar jobs to Roman. Well, folks, we want to thank you so much. That'll do it us all for today. We are looking forward to tonight's episode of AEW Dynamite and possibly the debut of Wyndham Rotunda, FKA Bray Wyatt. And I think that will be all the defections until Mr. Sami Zayn, Kevin Owens, and Johnny Gargano who have all their contracts expiring over the next four or five months. So a lot of exciting news. And if you are not down with real professional wrestling, WWE, you're going to need a change. That'll do it for High Spots and Cheap Pops, folks. Thank you so much. Please like our videos. Subscribe to High Spots and Cheap Pops. And, of course, subscribe on our YouTube channel. Thank you so much, folks. Much love to the High Spots and Cheap Pops Nation. This is the Silicon Steve Alley. 
fucked up personality.